If you're at a point in your life where you think you can't go on any further, if the storm has gotten so bad that you think you're done, man, all I can say is just hang on. Just don't fucking quit. That's it. You just got to keep going. You don't have to be perfect by Thursday. You just got to be better than yesterday. Just keep moving. This story that uh, Doug tells us about, I mean, he thought he had it all made and got kicked in the face on several different, uh, in several different points in his life, and, and he just rebounded. And he got back up, and he just kept fighting. And that's what you do. You get knocked down, you get back up. You get knocked down, you get back up. You get kicked in the face, you smile, you get back up. It's not gonna be easy. It's never easy. Nothing worth doing ever is. You just gotta keep fucking fighting. That's it, man. You fight for your kids. You fight for your, for your career. You fight for your wife. You fight for your health. It's all worth fighting for. If you're tired of going to court and spending the money and you don't wanna you know, you don't want to do it anymore and you'll just be happy with what they give you and what possession they give you with your kids. Fuck that, man. Just keep fighting. If you don't think you can take another lick, if you don't think you can take another no, another rejection, another failure, just fucking smile and keep going. Take one more. You can take one more. Everybody's got one more in them. It's all about that last fight, that last push. And Doug talks about that when he's sitting there staring at this storm rolling in and he's got to feel the hay and he's, he's just like done. You know, the, it's a, it's a, it's a fight he cannot win. It's a task he cannot complete. And instead of just rolling over and just accepting it, he digs in and he fights and he digs his way out. You can dig your way out too. Just don't fucking stop. Just hang on. You're supposed to say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Well, welcome to the Circle of Dads. I'm I'm uh, Ryan. I'm your host, and today I'm with me my friend Doug Walker, and I appreciate you taking the time to drive all the way down here and meet me and record. Hey, Ryan, I appreciate it, and thank you for the cup of coffee. And it's a good day. Yeah, if anybody's in the um, Facebook group, we have a private Facebook group called the Circle of Dads, and that's where this thing started. Uh, y'all have y'all have read some of Doug's comments and some of his insight on various aspects of being in a, a mature responsible adult you're one of the more interesting guys i know hmm definitely the most um well versed in all things national park hiking you've got a lot of a lot of information in your head um uh, i i like the outdoors and you know i'm a texas master naturalist and like i said i i enjoy going around the national parks I read a lot, a lot of internet reading. Probably the most trivial knowledge person I know. <laughs> trivial knowledge is the most, most interesting. That's the most random stuff. Yeah. Because you can say it and people will be like, where the hell did you learn that? And then that starts a conversation. Yeah. But if you say something that's, I don't know. Something. It's like one day I'm at a softball tournament with a bunch of the moms and this lady goes, who's the guy leaning against the motorcycle with a bandana on his head? I'm like... Che Guevara. It's like, how did I know that? How did you know that? I don't know. It was him. There's a big poster of him, and he's leaning against a Harley with a bandana on his head. That's just the first thing that came to mind. So it, was it a picture y'all were looking at? No. No, we were at a softball game, and they were trying to remember who the, who the guy was in the poster. It was a famous poster. I'm taking it? Mm hmm But it's from the 60s. So. Okay. So everybody else would have had no clue. No. I, don't, I really don't know why I knew, but... She said it, and the name popped into my head, and she was like, yeah, that's the guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> and she'll never forget you. No, no. So that's, that's good. See, that's useful, too, mm -hmm. for all you single dads out there. That's right. Have some use, interesting knowledge like that, and 
Hey, well, and Laura was on the cover of Italian Vogue magazine too, so she's impressive. <laughs> there you go, man. So, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was because you you seem to be really good at overcoming obstacles, and that's that's something that's pretty important as men and as dads. You know, I mean, we got to be able to get kicked in the teeth. We need to be resilient and not just stay down. Yeah, it's like, like I keep talking about my favorite philosopher, Mike Tyson. And he once said, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And you've always got to have that backup plan. I, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think of myself as a survivor, and sometimes I don't take care of business today because I know I can take care of tomorrow. And I get lazy today. There's always going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I can always handle tomorrow. <laughs> so we were talking briefly. Well, let's qualify you first. Let's, how many kids you got? Uh, I got two sons. They're currently 22 and 25. Okay. What are they into? Uh, the oldest is a little ADD, so he works in kitchens. Mm-hmm. He likes all the chaos and you know everything kind of storming around him. So it, it keeps his mind busy, and he's good at it, but... He's not really focused on his education. Uh, my youngest is at Texas Tech. He's a biology major, and he plays rugby. And uh, the kid is an impressive athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got pictures of him, and you know, there's 10 guys from the A&M rugby team chasing him, and nobody's got a chance to catch him. I've seen the pictures you've sent me, and it's just, I mean, the guy's a stud. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but... Rugby's kind of rough. He dislocated a shoulder last year and played most of the season before he went and saw the doctor, and it finally hurt him so bad he had to go see a doctor. And he laid out for a couple of games and finished the season. So So he dislocated it and then relocated it? Or or relocated it? Yeah, the trainer kind of fixed it for him during the match, and they were playing Baylor, and he finished the game. He just kind of like ran to the sideline. They adjusted him, and he went back out, finished the game. Was it as uh, dramatic as Riggs used to um, put his shoulder back in socket and lethal weapon? Remember that? Uh, you remember that how it always pop out, and he'd like have to slam it against something? I think there, there was a scene where he was like swimming underneath a pier, and he slams it against one of the um, one of the pylons that are holding the columns that are holding the pier up, and it's just very dramatic. Uh, I've actually got experience doing that. We were skiing in Salt Lake and uh, going downhill for lunch. And I hit an icy patch, went over a little jump, got some air, and landed on my elbow and drove my shoulder out the back. And I'm laying there in the snow, and all I can think about is, this is going to get cold and tight, and it's going to hurt. And I got a knee in the crook of my elbow and pushed out and pulled around. And it was the classic hand overhead, locked in place, dislocation, uh, inferior. So, and then everybody hollered at me that we were late for lunch, so I had enchiladas and a beer. Kind of of over here doing something, fixing my arm. If you guys don't mind, give me a second. Yeah. So he's the same way, but he's actually got a much higher pain tolerance than I do. He's got a $75,000 knee and before the doctor fixed it, he was running five miles a day on a fully tore ACL, partial tear of MCL, three points of meniscus damage, three points of cartilage damage, and a fracture where the ACL let go. And he's running five miles a day on it. It's amazing what you can uh, what you can talk yourself into doing. Yeah, yeah. If you want it, <laughs> I've got a buddy, uh, uh, Michael Perkins, and y'all are about the same age. And he's. Uh, Yesterday I saw him at the gym and he's like, man, it just randomly, he said, you know, I was, uh, I've got this toe and it gives me a lot of problems. And, uh, it was real bad for a while. I can't remember what all he said. He said like, it was real bad for a while and then it'd get better and then it'd get bad. And, and I just, you know, whatever. And, and, and in the statement there was for a couple of years, <laughs> he said, so finally he goes to the doctor and has him look at it. And he's like, oh, you broke your toe. And it, and it just kind of healed back all jacked up. So it's got spurs, you know, it's got all the little bone spurs mm-hmm. and funkiness going in there but i just love that i was like dude i'm so proud of you just the, <laughs> i'm not saying that i advocate like walking around hurt just to prove yeah. that you can but but it's so interesting how and he's i mean he's a pretty stubborn uh 
he's got a pretty strong will, <laughs> me- mental fortitude, you know? And, and, and when I heard him say that, I just, it just, it just gave me warmth inside. Yeah. Well, and that's, I guess as you grow older and if you stay athletic, it's, it's going to happen. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to happen. It's yeah. not if it's when <laughs> I'm just 38. And now there's things that are hurting that are like, that wasn't there before. That didn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, 32 when I finally hit mortality and, uh, playing tennis one day, heard something pop in a knee, you know, tried to ice it and play on it and ice it and play on it. And finally went to a doctor and he's like, we got to operate. And I was just so afraid of being operated on. I went to a physical therapist buddy and I never had it operated on. Yeah. Surgeons love selling surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. I keep it strong and it doesn't bother me. And I'm no, uh, Anytime I hear anybody say that they got a thing they're about to get operated on, I'm like you got to go, you got to go see my buddy Brian Mulhall at Active Sport and Spine. There's you another plug, Brian. <laughs> that dude is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. it, people people will go in because they got they're going to get their back cut on, and it just turns out they got you know all kinds of tightness going on in their mm-hmm. in their hips and whatnot, and it's just throwing everything out of whack. And it's yeah. it's, it's crazy that people will. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the tightness. I've, I've played tennis since I was eight and it's a lot of repetitive motion, you know, whatever arm you're swinging across your body. And I took up yoga last year and it just amazed me that how my body was out of whack and different. You know, I didn't really know how to stand because, you know, all this muscle kind of doing the same thing. Sure. And you know, having somebody tell me how to actually stand straight and it's reduced a lot of pain. Well, and you know, the, the body's naturally going to go to the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. So it'll just kind of work around stuff. And then you just operate with this background <laughs> noise, this hum. Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, I just got a shoulder issue. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you do. Yeah, you do. You have whatever you believe, I guess, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's not, um, I mean, it seems like it's just, we get so tight from the, because yeah. we weren't designed to sit Yeah, and we sit a lot. Yes. You know, uh, driving and at work. And I mean, it's just mm-hmm. sedentary. And uh, I've got a GP that's got a really good sports medicine background and like my knees are, were really crunchy and I was kind of babying them, which was causing problems in the hip and the back and made the knees worse. And he's like, exercise do squats and I've strengthened them and they're the best they've been in 30 years. I've got a, yeah. I mean, uh, strength training is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, my, um, I've got a buddy, Darren Deaton and he's a, uh, a PT and, uh, he's got, you know, Riata therapy solutions and they're a occupational therapy clinic, I believe. And, but he's also, uh, a starting strength coach and a CrossFit coach and all these different things. And he started a, a, a starting strength gym, which is like a small boutique gym, but it, they, they just train with the barbell method. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of his clients and he actually, he runs a podcast called the 40 fit, uh, radio. It's called 40 fit radio. And, mm-hmm. and it's for the, the, um, uh, masters athlete. So basically, I mean, you think 40 and over, but really it should be, it's like 35 and over because that's when you need to start prepping for it. Mm-hmm. And just the kind of shit that you used to be able to get away with or that used to work, <laughs> you know, you don't need to be doing when you're at that age because there's no return. Yeah. The, well, ris- the risk of getting hurt is just substantially higher. Yeah. It's like tennis. I would get out of the car, run out there and play. And now Mm-mm. I've got to have 15, 20 minutes of stretching or I'm going to hurt something. <laughs> and... Like I said, mortality hit, so you got to take care of yourself. And yoga's yoga's phenomenal. Yes, absolutely phenomenal. And it's it's hard for me to um, because I'm like, no, nah, I want to go in there and throw heavy stuff around and, and lift stuff because it's just it, it just helps me. It, it's what I like, you mm-hmm. know, and and um, that's why I love CrossFit so much. Uh, but then yoga, you get in there, and especially I go to I go to Indigo Yoga here in Fort Worth, and and it's hot yoga and. And you can just get in there and just sweat out all the, oh, all the horridness. And, and it just feels amazing afterwards. It's just a completely different kind of thing. And, you know, what I was surprised is, you know, I've, I've, I've welded for 20 some odd years. I mean, worked in the oil field, worked in structural steel, you know, in all these different places. And uh, it's hot. 
and, and it's oppressive. <laughs> and, and in Texas, you know, you think you get used to, and I'm in, you know, denim from head to toe and leather and, but man, you get into a yoga studio and like shorty shorts and I'm drenched worse than I've ever been. It's like, I don't know how it does that. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Hmm. I've done the oil field thing, but I've never done the, the hot yoga. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. It's, it's, it's phenomenal, but a good sweat is good. Good for the soul. Mm-hmm. So you, so you, you spent your time in the oil field and the oil field is a, a precarious mistress. Yeah. Um, and I, late seventies, early eighties, there wasn't a lot of safety. Nobody yep. cared whether you had a face mask and were breathing toxic fumes or, you know, they didn't care if you got in the way and got crushed. So and I hate to think what it was like in the fifties and sixties, but you know, I can remember working in the Creek bottoms of East Texas and somebody's eyes would roll back in their head and you would drag them in the shade and put a wet towel on their head and give them something to drink and go back to work yeah and kind of hope they're alive when you get done (laughs) that's just the way it was and i know two or three guys we did that way and that was normal yeah i mean that was just what you had to do to yeah uh to survive it's not it's not like they it was either that or go work at the gap and i spent two or three years as a crew lead and those guys would go home and drink beer all night and i would go home and play tennis so I would work them to death. <laughs> yeah. You know, going back to the overcoming obstacles and things like that, tell me more about the oil field. How did that transition into your adult life? And, and The last few years it's changed, but, you know, back when I was a young man, nobody cared about your family life. You know, you really didn't get benefits. Uh, you would kind of go out for the day and, problems would arise and you're autonomous so sure you know you would just fight through the issues um it's it's hard on family life if you've got children um i was lucky enough i got out of the field and uh, went to work for lone star steel which is still oil field based but Mm -hmm. you know i was working in a plant and you know we were still doing 12 hours a day it was not good for the family life Uh, but it it did allow me uh like I said, I, I built a nice house, uh, had the two sons that were healthy, you know, wound up buying 175 acres. Now, hold on a second. Don't just glass over the little the little gap in between <laughs> I was a hand in the oil field and then I built a nice house. How, how did you come about that? Um, I had a friend that I had met through tennis that was working in uh, production planning at the plant. And some people... A position in his department came up. Some people had applied, and just through politics in the plant, they had been disqualified. So he's like, "You got to apply." I said, "You'll get this job because everybody else has been disqualified." So I wound up with a job in planning and scheduling in a steel mill. And you had no business being in that job. Uh, part of it was interpreting field specs. Okay. And within six months. Uh, I was handling all of the inquiry specs, you know, the mobiles and the Anadarkos and the Amicos and all those would send in their engineering specs and they would hand them to me and I would go around the plant and assess the quality and the production and, you know, the engineering and the accounting and write a response to sales. And within a couple of months, they were handing my responses straight to the customers. And I did that for eight years at the mill. I couldn't believe it. Like I said, I was just a field guy before I fell into this job. Um, so you just acted like you were supposed to be there? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And I, I really loved that job, but it wasn't conducive to a good family life. Uh, very stressful. The company had just come out of about a six-year bankruptcy process. So the politics within the company were outrageous. Uh, my boss was not a pleasant person to work with. Uh, she was small man syndrome, wanted to be a VP, and the big boys were never going to let her have it. So she was uh, not a very happy camper? No. And you had to be really careful of how you worked with other people because if they were competing with her for the next position, sure. if you were too helpful, you got in trouble. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, and you want to do right for your company, but 
You also got to watch your own ass. Yes. Do right for your family. Yeah. And probably the last two years I worked there, we didn't talk. And because I wanted to do what's right for the company. I was a company man. Yeah. And, you know, we had union in the mill, but, you know, I was a company man. And it just, she and I just didn't work out because she looked out for herself. Sure. And 98, they went from 2,200 employees in the mill to about 800. Did you make the cut? I was in the last 15. Held on to the last minute. Yep. She, uh, and, and she actually cried when she had to call me in, but I knew, you know, we didn't get along well enough, and they told her to lay one more person off, and it was, it was my time. <laughs> and I had another manager friend there. He called me in. He's like, you got to be nice to her. I'm just like, I can't do it. I, I know how to do my job, and I'm going to do my job what's best for the company, and I am not going to be nice to her if that's not right for the company. Man of integrity. I rode it all the way to the bottom of the seafloor. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That just makes, I mean, it makes it all the, all the better, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy, if, you, if you hang on to your integrity until it's kind of looking like it might be inconvenient, that, that's not really integrity. Yeah. And you talk about surviving. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd bought 175 acres. I'm producing hay off of that. So I'm working the steel mill most of the day and then hauling hay all night and trying to see my kids when I can and, you know, kind of get over the hurdle and didn't work. <laughs> uh, they laid me off. Just so happened, 97, when Texas hit the big droughts. Sure. Uh, I had done really well in 96. Did good in 97, but 98 and 99 just killed me. I was unemployed, drought, no hay, so... Um, so did you just roll over, let the bank come take everything? <laughs> no. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of woke up. I had been kind of no backup plan or anything. But, sure. Uh, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. I did all the economic studies and I knew about where I was going to be bankrupt. And, you know, for... From about September of 99 to about spring of 2000, I was the best salesman in the state of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of necessity, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I could harness that manic energy of, you know, when you know you're going to lose everything and you've got nothing else, you know, you've got you've to make it happen. There's no, no way to fail. There's a, I mean, but that's a certain desperation that, that I wish upon everybody at some point in your life. Yeah, I wish I could harness that. Well, I mean, I mean just so they can experience, so they know what it's like. So when, yeah. so you know that when you see it, mm -hmm. that you're not looking at weakness. You're not looking at someone that's, um, just doesn't have their shit together. Yeah. You're looking at somebody that's will chew through your face to get to the next, to get well, through that obstacle, and, you know? And you mentioned weakness. It's. You know, I don't think I really did anything wrong to put myself in that position. Uh, you know, I did I did things right for my company. Uh, when she laid me off, they had three or four people that took over my duties. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was working 10 or 12 hours a day and had eight years experience doing what I was doing. So, you know, I was, I was doing my job well. Uh, I'm working my farm and weekends and nights and all that. And all of a sudden, a drought hits, so I've got no backup there, and I get laid off at the mill, and you know, there's just I'm on unemployment. <laughs> so that's it. So there's there's you know, it's really important to to look at the the core of of all that, and the so a lot of guys fear or get get overcome by fear, and they don't want to look at it, especially with finances. Mm -hmm. I know I don't have any money in the bank. I don't need to check the bank account. Well, how much money do you have in the bank? I, None. Zero? Is it $12? Is it negative 500? Yeah. Like, like you need to know. Yeah. What assets do you have? So to just like shy it away and just not even look at it, it it's, it's only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, man, give yourself a day or two to be like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what do I do now? And you know, yeah. you're crying in your car three blocks down so the kids don't see it. Um, but then you, you handle it. 
Yes. And that's the whole point about, I mean, that's one of the, the things about not even just being a man, but being an adult and being the head of a family. Like you have to handle it. And so you have to look at the ugly. You have to look at these things and realize this is what I need to do. You have to make a plan because nobody's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. And if, and if they do, if they do, they're doing you a disservice, you know, and then, and then the fact that you just, you don't give a shit about what anybody thinks. You don't care how it looks. Mm-hmm. You don't care that you're knocking on everybody's door. Like, Hey man, you want to buy a tractor? You know, not, I know guys that would just pretend like everything was fine until the bank comes and gets the tractor. Yeah. And it's like, you got to just, you got to get rid of all that pride and ego and do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome that you did that. Well, and, and like you said, I, I kind of knew when I was going to burn through all the cash. Um, I had some hay. I found a buyer and got just enough cash to refinance the whole farm, which extended me about three to four months. Uh, I had found a buyer, and that got me to closing. So I got out from beneath all that. Uh, We had put the house up for sale, and that wasn't working, and I had to fire a friend who was a real estate agent and, you know, go find me a go-getter. And within 60 days, she had the house sale. So the other lady had worked six months and hadn't done it, hadn't really done anything. Family comes first. That's right. That's right. So and, and another thing is um, that's a, a, a testament to you can be doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Everything. You can be just the model citizen, the model employee, the model, fo- everything right. And it can still go tits up just right. out of nowhere. And so if you think that it can't, and you're not preparing yourself for that day, then you're just you're just kind of sticking your head in the sand. <laughs> That's right. And and I was because um, I got lucky about a year after I'd been laid off. Um, a VP with the same company called me and he's like, you know, we we like the work you did, and we want you to come to Dallas. And I I had never wanted to move to Dallas. I was a small town boy, and uh, he's like, your paychecks in Dallas if you want it. So I came to Dallas, and uh, they hired me. And the first thing I did was go to college. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I had probably 25 credits for college, and I got an adult education class, and I cannot stress college education enough. I graduated on a Saturday and went to work on Monday making twice as much. Doubled my salary. And, and it's not lucky. You didn't get lucky. No. That integrity and hard work and the work ethic paid off. So a lot of guys will take the easier route. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to kiss my boss's ass and do what they want me to do instead of what's good for the company. Yes. To serve myself. And you would have never got that phone call. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you'd never, your life would not have transitioned the way it did. Right. And, and I can say with a degree, you know, that job that I got led to a better job, which led to a better job. And, you know, I graduated in 04, and by 2008, I was one of the better play, paid employees probably in my town. <laughs> so, you know, I had a couple of good years. The sales skills that I had learned trying to get rid of the farm, I put to work and uh, went, was working for a company with 136 salesmen, and I was number three. Yeah. And the two people that were ahead of me were both program managers they weren't really salesmen so sometimes (laughs) a little adversity is your best teacher and i just wanted to take a minute and ask something of all you wonderful people um if you're enjoying this podcast and you enjoy the show please leave us reviews subscribe on itunes or apple podcast or Spotify, or, or whatever it is that you're listening to, whatever platform you use, please subscribe, please share us, and please leave us uh, reviews and ratings. Look for us on Twitter at Circle of Dads TM. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, Circle of Dads Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to Ryan at Circle of Dads Podcast.com. And the second thing that I'd like to ask you is for help. This is a self-funded show. We don't have any any advertising dollars right now, and so any little bit helps to help us cover the monthly expenses of production and 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 being able to get our show to you. So, if you'd like to become a Patreon of this uh, 
of this movement, please check us out at patreon.com. We are under Circle of Dads Podcast. We can be found on PayPal, Ryan at Circle of Dads Podcast. Or if you just want to walk up to me on the street and shove some money in my pocket, that's fine too. Just don't do it in the waistband. I think it's a little awkward. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. That was really uncomfortable for me. I don't like asking people for money. We're all growing. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything that happened in my life. I mean, I regret a few things. I mean, well, a few, yeah. one or two. Now, I regret quite a few things, but like as far as everything that shaped me into who I am today, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change yeah. a- any of it. Um, I will say probably the only negative thing that came out of that between working the 10 or 12 hours a day at Lone Star, getting laid off, um, having to uproot my family, move to Dallas. When I started going to college, uh, it was make A's or just explode. Sure. And I graduated with a 3.89 GPA and was so proud of my GPA, but I had just become such a jerk hmm. around the house studying and wanting to be left alone that eventually wound up with a divorce. And it was just 10 years of the grind was just too much for her. So, you know. She didn't sign up for all that. Now, 10 years later, I understand. Then I just lost my mind. <laughs> isn't, isn't it something about time? Yeah. T- time and distance can show you quite a bit. Yes. And, you know, I know I, I was a jerk. I was not a nice person to be around between work and the stress of, you know, trying to build my way back up. Uh, I, I really thought I had everything I ever wanted with my 175 acres and nice house in town. And, you know, it was just the rest of my life was going to be perfect living right down there. <laughs> it, it often, um, you know, it drives me crazy when somebody, when something doesn't work out, when you, when you're, when you're like buying a house, a very emotional thing, especially in this market, you know, you go to put a, you go to look at a house. And before you can put an offer on it, they got a, someone's got a contract on it, or you're you're battling with somebody else, and mm-hmm. and you know people will say uh, that one that means that you know there's a better one waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me that shit right now. <laughs> that's not what you want to hear. No, well, that's not what I want to hear. Yeah. But then, year later, or so you find yourself in the house that you want to be in, and you're looking back and you're like, oh, thank God I didn't get that house. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, you know my life today is. I hate to say it, I've, I've met some really great women, but, you know, had some really nice times in my life, but I I just wouldn't change anything right now for the world. But, you know, looking back, the stuff we all know, I should have stayed in college in 1980. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. But, you know, I didn't. Oil field was booming. I thought it was going to last forever, and it lasted about two years. <laughs> oh, man. I remember uh when I started my when I started welding on my own, I didn't want anything to do with the oil field. I'll just stay here in Fort Worth and take all the crumbs, you know, that you guys are leaving. And really, it's because I had no idea what the hell I was. How I didn't know how to do that, you know. I I didn't have anybody to teach me, and I was just scared of it. Um, but I had a buddy, and and he owned he owns a roustabout company, and he said, "Hey, man, I need a I need a structural welder for a couple of days, seven days tops." And I was like, "All right, cool." And so, you know two years later, six, seven days a week, I'm still out there. <laughs> and, uh, I always told myself like, don't, don't, um, take it easy, buddy. This money's not going to last forever. Cause I never had any money. Yeah. I mean, we were poor growing up. I mean, I was raised by a single mom and a dad that didn't help out. So, mm. you know, we didn't, we never starved. Um, we had a lot of, um, candlelit dinners cause the lights got turned off, you know, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but I never had that kind of cash and man, the big shot ism came in and I started acting like a top, uh, you know, like a, a big shot. And, and, and then I'd try to get that under, under, under uh, control or, or I'd start spending money. Like I was going to have it forever. And, mm-hmm. and then once it goes away, man, it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I said, 1982, there was 4,800 drilling rigs working and it was going to last forever. And six months later, it was all gone. Everybody had Cadillacs. And that was me. I had the new truck. I was living in Shreveport, and everything was great. Yeah. You know, every night was a party, and the money was never going to end. And then it was all gone. And, <laughs> you know, I 
kind of fought through that for a couple of years, kind of got back into a decent job, and then that led to another job. And, you know, and then all of a sudden you get busted down again, and, you know, another year or two's bad. You survived that. And, you know, then I went to work at the mill, and that was good for a couple of years and set me up really nice. And, again, I thought, man, this is it. I've got it by the yin-yang. and I've made it. Yep, it's going to last forever. So, but, you know, one day, <laughs> that's all it takes is one bad day. Seems like as soon as you tell yourself that, that's when the, the next shoe drops. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that just speaks to we always have to be uh, strengthening ourselves. Yes. You talk about uh, going to college as an adult, always getting educated, um, working hard, being resilient, uh, mm-hmm. having integrity. You know, if, if, if any of you guys or ladies that are listening that, that don't, have any idea what that is because nobody ever told you write down what you think your code of conduct is what are your things that you would do for for your family Mm -hmm. what 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 is it i mean because i know for my girls there's nothing i mean Mm -hmm. there is nothing i wouldn't do you want me to you want me to you want me to paint myself (laughs) polka dotted and walk naked down the street like let's go what color what color polka dots you know i mean it's anything for them and once you get that mentality of like, I'm going to, I'm going to survive and we are going to succeed and we are never, even if we did go without, I'm using air, mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes here, you know, cause, but even if we did have to change our style, our lifestyle, our habits or whatever, or our circumstances, it's temporary. Everything's seasonal. Everything's temporary. Yeah. And, and, and but the, but that depends completely on your attitude and what you're willing to go do. Because like a lot of guys, I don't want to not say a lot of guys, you could either make the choice to just say, well, this is just my lot in life Mm -hmm. and give up and okay, cool. That's, that's what you want to do. Well then good luck. Or you can just tighten up your bootstraps and get after it. Well, and I, I remember the moment I was at my lowest, um, you know, after they had laid me off, I decided to take a college course. So I'm going to college at 8 o'clock in the morning. I get there done at 9. I drive 30 minutes to work. And from 9.30 to 6, you know, I wound up having to work for my dad, which was eating a lot of crow. Because y'all just kind of had a term. Yeah. We'd gone five years without really talking. Just kind of sit across the table at Thanksgiving and stare at each other. And, and uh, what brought that on, Big Blow? You don't have to be specific, but yeah, y'all. Um, he had some problems early with his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had actually give him up to live with some of the richer people in his family, and that just lingered with him. He couldn't let go of it. Uh, so she had got sick. Uh, he wanted to put her in a nursing home close by him, and we put her in a nursing home with her friends. And she would have people checking on her twice a day, bringing her food. And he didn't like that. So didn't um, didn't want her to have fun. Uh, I don't know. He 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 wanted her in our town, and we all worked, and we were going to see her for one hour on Sunday afternoon. And me and my sister said, "No, that's not going to happen." Yeah. So we we left her down where she lived with her family, and he he'd say it, but got his panties wadded and took his toys and went home. So, but he called me and he's like, I know you're unemployed and said, I'll match your unemployment. So you can come work for me. And it's like, okay. So we, we worked and got along together, but so I'm working from nine thirty to six for him. And then I would go, you know, work my farm and haul hay. And I went out there one afternoon to look at my pasture and the army worms were about halfway across it. It's like, oh. No. So I got on the tractor, mowed it all down. I couldn't find a spray rig, so I couldn't kill the army worm. So all I could do was just mow it and square bale it. And I wound up with about 600 square bales. And there was a storm coming in. I called a buddy. He came out there with two sons. About 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, we'd hauled hay from probably 7.30 till about 1. That's easy work. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're forty and going to college, and you know that's 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 wonderful. When you're fifteen, it sucks too. Just to be clear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what these two kids were. Their dads got them out there. But then the dad hurt his back, so they went home. And I was thinking of going home, and I'm sitting there in my truck on the hill, and 
you know, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm broke, you know, the whole world's mad at me and I'm mad at the whole world. And I looked out across the hill and here comes a storm cloud just blowing thunder. And it's just like, I can't quit. I gotta keep going. And I cranked the truck up and started hauling hay by myself. Um, that was one o'clock in the morning, probably about between four and five, the rain hit. And I hauled for another hour or two after the rain hit until sunrise and just went home. I'd been up 24 hours trying to get as much hay in the barn before the rain hit. And, you know, I probably got all but about 100 bales out of the rain. But, you know, that was the absolute lowest. But, you know, I'm looking at that storm coming, and it's just like, I can't quit. I got to go. And just uh, cinch up the jock strap and keep going. Well, I mean, you know, you say that was the lowest, but one could argue that that might have been the pinnacle of or the height because when most men would have quit and said, man, this is untenable. I can't yeah. do this. Um, the, all the odds are against me. I, I've got every reason right now to go home and take a shower and mm -hmm. get something to eat and have a couple of beers and just, and just sit there and think about how life has just oh, and that, broke one off in me. That thought was there. Just go home and turn it off, but not you. I couldn't do it. <laughs> that's, I know that's phenomenal, man. But you know, that's like I said, I, I do well surviving. It's just if I had paid attention and done the right thing, I would have been in college in 1980 and graduated, and life would have been a lot easier. Yeah, would it have? I mean, because where would you be now? Well, I mean, how would have it all shooken out? Uh, I don't know. Of course I, not. I have no idea what I would have done. I was studying petroleum engineering. I would have graduated in 82 when all the rigs laid down and had no idea what I would have done with a petroleum engineer degree in 1982. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. So it probably wouldn't have been any better. <laughs> Man, I mean, it's just, it's, and I struggle from this too, because, or I've struggled from it where, you know, I've taken some big blows over the years. I mean, mm -hmm. I've gotten really kicked in the teeth. And if anyone that knows me well knows that I do everything the absolute most difficult and painful way that a human being can do something, not because I'm just uh, a sadist or, or it's because I, sometimes I can get a little dumbed down by pride and ego, you know, mm -hmm. and you just keep, keep beating your head against that wall. Um, but it's taught me a lot, you know, and, it, and it's given me a certain um, skill set and a certain level of resilience that... Mm -hmm that you don't often, well, I can't say that you don't often see, but I know that I, I know what I can survive. Yes. So you look at what you've been through over the past uh, 38. Well, so I was born in 1980. Okay. I graduated when, from high school at 78. So, <laughs> and I, I mean, so that's like the last 40 years yeah. has taught you. I mean, look what kind of man it's, it's turned you into. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm older and smarter and I can plan for tomorrow, but no, I can still survive tomorrow no matter what happens. So it gives you a confidence as you go out there. It lets and, you know that nothing's going to, I mean, they can't eat you. Yeah. That's the that's thing. That's right. And, and I got to tell this story. So a mutual friend of ours puts a hiking trip together uh -huh. and, you know, y'all pull up. And I don't, I don't know if I met you before the trip. We'd kind of talked a little bit. We, we met in the parking lot before, yes. before we got into it. 13 hour truck ride together. Yeah. So, uh, and I remember at one point, uh, I know we both had a kind of a dynamic misguided youth. Right. And you had mentioned some things about your youth and I kind of made a joke and you looked at me like, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> what was a joke? Uh, you had mentioned something about going to jail and sure. you know, this and that. And, uh, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you kind of looked at me like, you know, who the hell are you to talk about me? And then, you know, I kind of told my story. You told me some more of your story. And, you know, we both kind of had some mutual survival stories kind of along the same vein there. But but that was just kind of funny. I made this joke and you didn't know anything about me. And it's kind of like, okay, who the hell are you to talk about me, buddy? I, that might have been the look like, it <laughs> might have shocked me that you, were, yes. that you were zinging me. Yes, it did. Because we didn't really know each other. And I don't know, you probably didn't figure I had that kind of background either but well and to paint a picture of doug to be fair <laughs> you've got the longest 
femurs that I've ever seen. Like, like I will never forget. We were sitting in that, you got, like your legs. Yeah. You're six, three and like six foot of his leg. So he's sitting in the back of this Ford pickup and it's a regular F-150. It's a full size mm-hmm. truck. And I look back there and his knees are tucked up into his chest. Like he's sitting on the ground. And I was just, and, and he's got this, this glory had, had, by the way, I can't see it right now because it's <laughs> hidden behind the pop filter, but he had this, the most glorious silver mustache you'd ever see. Storybooks have been written about mustaches like these. And then he shaved it off for some reason. But so I'm looking at woman. this guy a yeah, woman. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at this guy and he zings me with something like that. And I'm sure I was thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> But it was because I was being judgy and thought, <laughs> both I, being judgy. And thought I had you figured out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. But, well, we've remained friends since. Thank you oh. to Facebook and whatnot. Awesome. Yeah, it was a wonderful trip, too. That was hilarious. It, it was entertaining for sure. Yeah. Climbing a, going and just climbing a, 14, uh, oh a 14er. God. Yeah. And, and you think, I just got to walk up. I'm just going to walk Whoa. up there. But it's not like that. Yeah. As, as one, another one of our mutual friends found. Yes. Um, he probably didn't do himself any favors. Well, he didn't. He quit smoking the day before the trip and was <laughs> taking off the tags off of his new hiking boots as we were driving up there. Yeah, he said he mowed with them. Oh. He mowed his yard in his hiking boots before he went and hiked eight miles and 6,500 foot of elevation gain. <laughs> what a shit show that was. <laughs> yeah. he, he made it pretty damn far, though. Yeah, it was pretty funny because that's where I got the nickname Silver Caterpillar because uh, Ryan's like up the mountain. They're just running off and leave me, and I'm sucking air like a guppy, and all they could see was my mustache glowing from down the hill. Glistening, all majestic light. Yeah. So you do that, and then and and life starts moving along swimmingly. You know, you've, you've got a new job. You've got, um, you've got a degree now. Mm-hmm. Kids are growing up. Divorce has happened. And then you're... So when we met at that time, you were working for uh, a local company, a local oil and gas <laughs> company. And then everything's fine again, and then life happens. Um, they had a management change, and it started working downhill. And That's a nice way of putting it, a management change. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was part of the old regime, and I knew my day was coming, and... You know, they hired somebody who had never worked in the industry. And it's like they ask you a question. You spend one line answering the question. And then you write a page as to why this is how we do it. Because they don't know. And they're your boss. Yeah. And they're going to get rid of you in about six months. And that's how it went down. And their old chairman of the board decided to (sighs) exit too soon and pull a Dale Earnhardt into the Vidoct in Oklahoma. Oh, I know it. I know it. Do you think he's... I, I don't know. He had... The Justice Department had just announced the day before that they were after him for another state, and he had a list of things coming after him. And there's rumor that that was his retirement plan, save his family. So, and all the lawsuits and the investigations went away with that. So, well, he was driving to his hearing, right? That's what I understand. Um, And the black box in the Suburban says he was at about 80 miles an hour. It accelerated rapidly and then turned left. Right on. So, Well, there's one way to go about it. Yep. But, you know, he was another. He should have been a survivor. He he could have found a way to to survive that. I thought he had that mentality. I mean, every man's got their breaking point. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I, I couldn't have done it. I, I, I would have figured some way, if I had to give him all the money back, he could have started another company and made it all back. He was that kind of guy. I don't know why he chose that. A weak moment, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could never... How could we ever even try to understand what he was going through at that particular moment? That's right. Any man. It doesn't matter. Every man's journey is this different yeah i mean it doesn't matter who it is you know it doesn't matter if the guy works at you know ihop and and he didn't and and it does i mean it doesn't matter like where you are in life yeah well and it, um my best friend growing up um at about seven or eight years of age got kicked in the head by a horse yeah and he missed school for a year he was in a coma for six months 
and he was never really mentally right after that. And we ran around together till we he was 21, 22. When I first moved to Shreveport, he got me my job. Okay. Uh, we lived together for a little while, and then he moved back to East Texas. But, uh, you know, he checked out. And I, I thought about it, and I had talked to him before. He actually attempted once before. And it was just like, dude, next time you feel that way, just call me. I said, we'll load up, we'll go somewhere, and just to see the sunrise the next day. I said, I will always live to see that sunrise the next day. And no matter how bad it's got, I may think about it, but I'm always going to wake up tomorrow and see that sunrise. That's something that I can I can relate with a lot. I mean, um, you know, I've kissed my daughter goodnight with a taste of gun oil in my mouth more times than I'd like to count. And and that's um, that darkness is 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 just it's 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 so oppressive. Like when mm-hmm. you when you get to that point, you're not calling anybody. Yeah, you've already decided the world is better off without me. They're going to be better off without me. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to have to worry about me anymore. You know, so don't even give him the opportunity to try to talk you out of it because it's just inevitable. Yeah, and but, I'm. But some guys take that next step. Mm-hmm. I made the decision a long time ago that I would never take that next step. You know, because I've, I mean, I've sat in some pretty horrendous. Um, long, uh, dark times Mm -hmm. and never made that ultimate decision. And, and I've always seen the sunrise the next day. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one thing that speaks to that. I hope people can get from this, uh, not only the finances and all the, the outside things, you know, even what's going on inside you, there's always a solution. Yes. And there's all, everything is a season. Everything is temporary. I mean, mm-hmm. we are seasonal, and especially as men, I can't speak to what it's like being a woman because yeah. I don't. I'm not a woman, you know. Um, but as men, we change. Everything changes. I can look back from a year ago, even a year, even if all the soul searching and and uh, introspection and shit that I think that I've done, and and I can still look back at decisions, statements, and things that I made a year ago that I was like, I would have put my hand to, I just swore on whatever deity you could choose. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, put my hand down real quick. Like, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, because- I know. Well, it, and you mentioned that. Uh, last year, I had put some stuff on Facebook. And then I get this PM, and it's Ryan. He's like, brother, you okay? It's like, no, I'm not okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. I don't like my relationship. I don't like my job. You know, my dad's in the hospital, and it was another dark time that, you know, I, some of it I could probably help, and some of it I couldn't help, but... Doesn't matter. You were there. Yeah, I was. And since then, you know, I, I've improved my health. You know, I got out of a bad relationship. Uh, the job situation's not a problem anymore. So, you know, I, I lost 30, 40 pounds and, and the mustache. I'm feeling good. Yes, and the mustache. So we did the complete change. <laughs> I did a, I had a moment of silence for that mustache before we even hit record. <laughs> when you send me that picture, I'm like, who the hell's got this dude's phone? <laughs> yeah, he had mentioned my mustache, so I took a selfie and he was like, oh my. That mustache made it from 1981 till about July of 1970, or, or 2018. Did you say 1981? 1981 was the last time I shaved that mustache. So the mustache was almost as old as I am. Yes. Yeah, and I'd only shaved it once. I probably grew that mustache in 79, and I cut it once in 81, and then in the last six months. I'm going to put a silver, <laughs> a silver stripe up across my back glass for that mustache. So you lost, you lost how much? Uh... 36? I went from probably 230, 235 uh, before the holidays was probably about 190. Yeah. So probably 40 pounds. Jeez. Uh, got on the exercise bike and... Just made the decision. Mm-hmm. It Changed wasn't, the diet. Little by little? Uh, it's been, I'm going to say from probably June 1st through end of October, just a steady... Just work it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be perfect by Thursday. No. You, you just, 
like you got to make one good decision. It's like if you're, if you're, I'm never going to save money. Every time I try to save money, I can't save money. Yeah. Well, just, just try to save a buck today. That's just, right. Just one, just, and, and, and put the dollar in your drawer and look at it and tell yourself, good job, man. Mm-hmm. You That's know, right. even the small wins, the ugly wins count. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with food and, and exercise. And, you know, man, I, I, this New Year's, um, I was thinking, you know, you, everybody talks about their goals and New Year, New Me. And I used to scoff at that, right? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I, I just, I'm constantly improving, um, which is true. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I get to knock anybody else for their outward expression of their intent. Yes. You know, they get to how, whatever motivates them to go. I never want to be the guy that like makes them feel like their, um, effort is not enough or is not worthy or whatever. Mm -hmm. I always hope that I can be the guy that's just like, you know, the cheerleader, like, dude, that's awesome. Just keep going. Just do one little thing. And, um, you know, I've been on, I've been on the, the complete opposite of that to where, you know, you, like where I would get so judgmental and so uh, sanctimonious maybe would be the word to where, mm-hmm. where people wouldn't even be able to, I wouldn't be approachable about certain things like that. And I would never want to rob myself of being able to share those victories with these people, you know? So I have to, so what I was thinking about this year is that, um, I mean, it is the new year, new me. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm just going to try to be less of a dick. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my, yeah. that's my goal. And every day it seems to get reset. Like, all right, well, I'll try tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, you know, like losing the weight and the fitness and, and I thought I would never be where I'm at now, but, um, I've never really been a goal person. Sure. Because when I set goals, it makes me want to be perfect. And the goal is all that matters. Mm-hmm. But I, I found myself more as I get older I plan and I take a direction and I get on the journey and I look for opportunities. It's, it's kind of like hiking. You're like, I'm hiking to this mountaintop or I'm hiking to this waterfall and all this good stuff happens on the trail as you're headed there. And maybe you get close and there's somewhere else you want to go. So you take a left, you know, and, and, and that's good. That's okay. So, you know, I don't know. It's like some people say, you know, I don't strive for perfection, but I do want to be excellent. And perfection is a fleeting little something for a moment, and that's it. But excellence, excellence lasts. Cody Zamaripa, the guy that, that comes on with the Coffee with Cody episodes, mm-hmm. what does he say? Um, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like I don't, um, I don't expect perfection, but I do expect... It's something about excellence and then striving for excellence, and I'll accept that any day. I'll, yeah. have to, I'll find it and put it on the... Is that uh, a Lombardi? Huh? Is that a Lombardi? No, nah, I think it was one of his drill drill uh, instructors that he heard that from, or, or okay. a co- company commander, and it might have been. I don't know. So I just butchered that completely. Yeah, I, I think it was Lombardi that once had a quote that... Uh, you know, we won't, we'll never achieve perfection, but every day we'll strive for excellence or something like that. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you continue to keep striving. You continue yeah. to keep just trying to be better. And you you made it a year <laughs> since the last time. It was pretty shitty. Yeah. And, and, that, and, I mean, would you change anything about your life right now? No. Nothing. Not, I, I love my relationship. I, I like what I do every day. Uh, I'm building a house. Uh, you wake up fulfilled and happy and feeling good and yeah. thriving and taking the time to smell the grass and look at the... Yeah, I mean, my relationship with the boys is good. You know, my two sisters are really about the only family I've got left. Both my parents and grandparents and all those have passed away. So, you know, I'm good with them. And, you know, it's just I one of those things I wish I knew now what I... Or know then what I know now because Dude, life would have been a lot easier. That... But, that segues you know, right into my next couple of questions to finish this thing up. Okay. So, you know your dad. Your dad passed last year. Uh, Six, March 2018. Okay. Yes. Okay. So almost a year. Mm-hmm. What's something that you think that you learned from him? Um. My dad had a way of making people feel special. 
and they people wanted to help him do stuff. And he was a doer. Uh, he was mayor of our small town. He was an excellent athlete, uh, president of the college board there. Uh, and he just had a way of sucking people into his projects. <laughs> and That's admirable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just wish I could relate to most people the way he did. Uh, you talk about that, you know, I'm going to try and be less of a dick today. And I, I just, I don't know, I'm an introvert, so I have a little trouble relating to people some days. And he just seemed to always be able to get the projects done that he wanted to do. But if you, if you're talking to anybody about hiking, mm-hmm. camping, national parks, random stuff like that, I mean, th- th- that's your that's your hula hoop right there. I I love people are like, well, we're thinking of going to Yellowstone. It's like, oh, come on, talk to me, talk yeah. to me. Well, I'll sit here all day and talk to you about. I it. have a spreadsheet that I can send you right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, I do, I do. You know, you want to hike the Grand Canyon? I got you a gear list already. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so the. Um, that's an awesome thing to remember about your dad. Yeah. You know? And, and you, you know, the, uh, my dad passed away uh, on a Thursday night. He had three kids, and we're taking turns sitting with him through the night. And, uh, you know, we had had some hard times. We'd had some really great times. I got to play tennis with him for 25 years. We won a state title together. And then we went through that five years without talking. Uh, we kind of reconciled, and we got to where we would talk to each other at least once a week, which we had never done. And uh, the night before he passed away was my night to sit with him, and his kidneys were hurting. Uh, I was sleeping in the next room. I heard him wake up, went in there, and uh, he knew Ben Gay wasn't going to help. But he's just like, would you mind rubbing some Ben Gay on my back? And he's an athlete, so he always kept Ben Gay around. So I kind of rolled him over. He was really weak. Uh, and, you know, I rubbed the Ben Gay on his back, and he lost his college pharmaceutical uh, ring. And when I rolled him back down, he couldn't find his ring. So I had to roll him back over, found his ring, got his ring back on his finger. And uh, it's 3.30 in the morning, and I pulled a chair up, just put my feet up on the bed, and got to hold his hand. And... You know, the next day, got him up, was going to put him in his chair in the living room because he always liked to sit in the living room. And, uh, you know, I got him in the wheelchair, rolled him up, and he was so weak. And my dad's probably 225. I don't know if you ever tried to pick up somebody who's 225 that can't help you. Uh, I didn't get him in the chair. But, you know, he was good about it. I got him comfortable, called a couple of family members. We got him in the chair. Um, and he knew that he was done. Uh, we got him a medical bed, put it in the living room that day. And about two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, we got some more friends over there, got him in the bed and, you know, he just went to sleep. And then that night he passed away. But to get that, you know, two or three hours, just hold his hand, lay there in bed. It kind of gives you that closure. Sure. Um, So, and, and he was a bull all the way to the end. Like I said, you know, doctor told him he's got a week or two, and uh, he's like, well, I can forget the diet, and we're going to go have beer and Mexican food. <laughs> you know, and the doctor just kind of laughs, said, go for it, eat what you want. Ride it out like Slim Pickens all the way down. Hey, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's the way he lived his life. You know, it's it was his world, and if you didn't like it, you can get out of his world. <laughs> Everybody else was living in it, sure. Yep. So um, if you could if you could spend 20 minutes with, with you, what you know now, mm-hmm. the man you are now, the things that you've seen, the seasons you've lived through, you know, all the scars that we develop, the ones that you have, and you could sit with Doug the night that he got married. What would you tell him? I wish I could sit with Doug the night he graduated from high school. Okay, then that one. Let's okay. go with that. We'll, we'll visit with him because he was so lost. Um, you know, the, I, I wish I could have told myself to stay in school. Um, I mean, when I wound up 40 years old, going back to college, two kids, house payment, uh, I would tell 18-year-old Doug, get your college degree or learn something. Mm-hmm. I chose to do neither. I didn't learn a trade. I didn't get a college degree. 
I was unprepared for life. Um, and I would say, know your finances, be able to see where you're going to be six months to a year down the road. Uh, in my darkest hour, that was probably the one thing that saved me was I figured out at the last moment that I had to know exactly where all my dimes were. And, you know, I knew what day my last dime was going to get spent. And, you know, I was a couple of months before that, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm looking for bankruptcy lawyers. And I know what day it's coming. And uh, just so happened I got a phone call. I got lucky. You know, a, a friend that was impressed with my work before called me and gave me a job. So education, finance, pay attention to the people in your life. And I, from time to time, have forgotten those people, and it has bit me in the ass. <laughs> so those three things, education, finance, and relationships, uh, that's probably the three things I've learned that I wish I had known when I was 18. Okay. Last one. What do you think your boys would say about you? Um, you know, after the divorce, uh, I, I just read a text from my youngest. Uh, we had a real serious discussion a couple of nights ago, and he kind of explained the workings in the house where they're sitting in their rooms and doing nothing, uh, playing video games, because, you know, we're divorced and parents aren't working. And uh, But in the end, he's like, we love you, Pops. We wouldn't be where we're at without you. So I know what they're thinking. Uh, I have a great relationship with them, and probably I know too much about their lives because they're really truthful with me. That's good. That uh, shows a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some things they tell me make me really sad and I wish I didn't know, but uh, they love me. So, and I, I, I try and make sure they don't have the issues I had growing up. But if they do have some of the challenges that you've seen through your example, you've shown them how to yes. face them head on. And, and I talk honestly with them. Uh, I don't tell them everything I did as a young man. Sure. Because it's one of those, give them an inch, they'll take them out. Oh, yeah. And if they think they can do it too, they would do it. And nobody will survive my life. Just like if nobody probably would survive your life again. <laughs> the odds just aren't working that way. Sure. So, um, yeah, I try and give them what I've learned. And so. Well, man. I appreciate you taking the time. You're someone <laughs> I really respect. I, I, I've really enjoyed uh, the time that we've known each other and the interactions that we've had. And, you know, you, you literally drove right into the storm and bailed yourself out of, <laughs> out of your own hell, man, at your worst possible yeah. moment. So uh, yeah. th I'm glad you got to share your story with us. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. This is, uh, I'm Ryan, and thank you for listening to Circle of Dads. You do not have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Love runs downhill, and we chase those kids to the day we die. Yes. See you.